And welcome in, everybody, to the latest edition of the Sports Roundtable. And this March the 19th, 2019, being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness, Shortcuts, Brouhaha, and Motown Taxi. I am your host, Aaron Host, alongside with Kelly Gamble. Starting off tonight, we will be talking about the Mike Trout deal a 12-year, $430 million deal, almost halfway to a billion dollars. And then we'll be talking about the Mountaineers' surprising run in the Big 12 tournament and now their journey into the CBI tournament. And then we will wrap up our discussion talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates and them shoring up their opening day lineup, announcing two jobs, one starter from last year losing his starting job. Kelly, how are you this evening? I'm good, and again, it's always an honor and a privilege to be here with you, Aaron, to talk sports and the sports roundtable, and uh, looking forward to our discussion tonight. Well, Kelly, I know I'm excited. I know I was at the gym this morning around uh, 8.30 a.m. I was scrolling through Facebook in between reps, and I saw uh, Jeff Passan, who was the first guy who originally reported it from ESPN, saying that Mike Trout signed a 12-year Four hundred and thirty million dollar deal, and when I heard that, I was like, "They got to be making this up." I was like, "I didn't even hear there was contract discussions. I didn't even hear rumors. I, I, I just assumed that they'd be talking come the end of the end of the season." And I thought he may end up going hitting the free agency market because Bryce Harper had mentioned when he signed with the Philadelphia Phillies that you best believe that he would be trying to recruit Mike Trout to come to the Philadelphia Phillies in the year twenty twenty. Well, if you remember, whenever we talked about the Bryce Harper deal. Do you remember what I said, Aaron? I said this is going to open up the wallets of the owners, and it's going to be the beginning of big, long-term signing contracts, and there's a lot of money that's being pushed around out there. And so, as you just said, this is a commitment of almost a half a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Um, Mike Trout is, again, a just like Bryce Harper. He's been a superstar. Uh, he's been the uh, MVP of the All-Star game, I'm not sure how many years. Uh, the young man is talented. He can hit a baseball. He can catch a baseball. He has speed. He has everything, all the tools. So, uh, you know, congratulations to a, a young man that has a whole lot of money coming to him. You know, one thing I saw that was absolutely astounding as we were standing around here in the station talking about what we were going to be going on tonight, I saw this thing from Fox MLB talking about the contract breakdown for Mike Trout, and these numbers are just absolutely astounding. He gets $3 million per month. This is average. He gets $60,000 per at-bat, $25,000 per inning, $4,000 per hour, and $70 per minute. Wouldn't everybody around here be loved to make $70 per minute? Per minute. Not per hour, but per minute. Uh, Absolutely, it is astounding. And, uh, you know, I think that it probably makes a whole lot of listeners angry, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I guess all I can say is... uh, uh, you know, they say mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. But, uh, you know, in this case, you need them to grow up to be professional athletes because there's no doubt uh, it has generated a whole lot of money. Um, and, again, this is a, a discussion that we can get into, and I'm sure we will at some point in time, Aaron. But uh, the amount of money that is available and what it generates out there with TV, uh, you know, radio, all the networks out there that is generating this money, as well as the money that's already lined in owners' pockets and – once again, we always got to remember that it's the fans 
that come to support Major League Baseball, NFL football, NBA basketball, NHL hockey. The fans have to be in the seats to generate this kind of money for the owners, and usually owners have some money before they actually buy a team. Uh, But the bottom line is when you own a team, you're there to make money, and if you have that type of money to generate and to give out to players, then again, kudos to them. And uh, I just, you know, what I could say is I wish that everybody who struggles under the poverty level would have an opportunity at least to just make ends meet. I, I that that I agree with. I know with people struggling with how poverty is in the United States, somebody getting this much money for what he does is a slap in some people's face just for the amount of hard work that a lot of blue collar put in day in and day out. But let's go back to the sports side of everything. Mike Trout, who is only 27 years old, came into the major leagues in 2011 in his first full season he he hit 30 home runs. I think I think it's just absolutely amazing as a rookie. Now a lot of people say a rookie when they get adjusted, the uh, pitchers don't know how to pitch to him, but he has been consistent every year. 30 home runs, 27, 36, 41, 29, 33 and 39 last year. In his only 6 seasons, 7 when he started a little bit back in 2011, he has already amassed 1,187 hits at 27 years old. This guy's got the potential to hit more hits than Roberto Clemente. Roberto Clemente had exactly 3,000 on the nose before that uh, devastating plane crash. And Pete Rose, Uh, too. Pete Rose has over 4,000 hits. And uh, with 4,000 hits, I mean, he is on pace. And again, we talked about the Bryce Harper thing. Mike Trout has a a good fundamental... uh, Everything he does fundamentally sound, but he's got to keep that body in shape. Uh, if he continues to work out his off-season workouts as well as in-season and, and continues to play at a high level, there's no doubt that this man has the possibility of getting 4,000 hits. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't think that anybody will ever catch Pete Rose. Uh, again, that's probably going to be a topic of discussion at some point in time here on the Sports Roundtable of Pete Rose not being uh, elected into this Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, but 4,000 hits is amazing when you think about it. And But 3,000. 3,000 seems to be, since I've been a kid, 3,000 is that number that everybody seems to be shooting for, and it looks like he's definitely well on pace for 3,000 hits. Well, 3,000 hits is just a historic number to begin with. I remember the last time I saw somebody on live TV, I remember watching, I was sitting down at the house watching the New York Yankees play. I saw Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter hit his home run live, to make it to to, to come to three thousand, and there was a lot of conspiracies that the guy who threw the pitch just lobbed it down the middle just to give him that three thousand to be put into record books with him. There's a conspiracy about that, but they are professionals, and I I don't know if they would do that. I saw some people actually throw pitchers, what they call the bleefest pitch. And I'll be honest with you, whether you're playing, uh, whether you're hitting a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or a 65-mile-an-hour curveball, bottom line is you still have to make solid contact to hit a home run when it comes to your 3,000th hit. So whether or not it was a fastball or or just a, a slow uh, off-speed pitch, it don't matter. The bottom line is Derek Jeter hit, hit a home run on his 3,000th hit. So, uh, you know, I'm just – I'm looking forward to baseball. That means the weather's heating up, Aaron. And, uh, again, we spoke that we're going to be heading down to Pittsburgh, the PNC Park, here at the, in May, uh, May 31st, on a Friday night, free T-shirt night. So I'm looking forward to uh, the weather heating up and uh, baseball's flying out of PNC. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to just smell the peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I, I don't think I'll ever want to go back when I leave, and I'm not trying to take anything from anything there, but I just know I'm – 
as much baseball games as I go to every year, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to be a PNC Park. I know I generally go to about like I said six or seven games a year, and I think I'm going up the first Wednesday night game of the year when they play the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, I want to transition into our second segment now. The WVU men's basketball team was beaten by the Kansas Jayhawks to eliminate them from the Big 12 tournament. The Kansas Jayhawks would ultimately end up losing in the championship round to the Iowa State Cyclones. But a lot of people are thinking now that the WVU men's basketball team, you're starting to see the true team, the true talent that was there to give them that number 13th team ranking in the nation at the beginning of the year. Well, with that being said, nobody expected the team that's on the court that is being put on the court right now. Um, there was nobody that expected these players to be that team. So I think that's what the issue is right now that we, we will get into here and debate just a little bit. But before we do that, Aaron, I'd like to mention that for the first time uh, in 14 seasons, Kansas Jayhawks did not win the regular season title. 14 years in a row, Kansas won the regular season big title in the Big 12. And this year, it was uh, co-champions with uh, Kansas State and Texas Tech. So that's a big issue within itself as we're talking college basketball right now. Uh, So Kansas, again, ended up with a three seed. um, And then you had the five seed Iowa State Hawkeyes who – or I'm sorry, Cyclones. That's the Iowa Hawkeyes. But the Iowa State Cyclones, a team that West Virginia handily beat in Morgantown, and it's the highest seed ever – to actually win a Big 12 tournament title at a five seed. There's never been anyone above a four seed that had ever won the Big 12 title. So congratulations to Iowa State. And again, a team that the Mountaineers defeated handily with these players we're getting ready to talk about going into the CBI. Also, Oklahoma, a team that West Virginia beat two times out of three in the regular season, also was an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, uh, the big dance. So West Virginia has defeated as well as Kansas early in the year. Yes, we only won four regular season games in the Big 12, but those against Kansas, against Oklahoma, against Iowa State, these are teams that is actually competing now in the NCAA tournament. So with that being said, nobody expected uh, these young kids that we have right now, Jordan McCabe, uh, Jordan Haley, uh, Derek Culver, who missed the first 10 games of the season. Uh, that right now, the offense has been based around them. And then you have Emmett Matthews, Jr., that early in the year, nobody really knew who he was. Uh, you could tell that he had athleticism. He pours in 28 points against Texas Tech, and he's 18 years old, freshman. So the future looks bright, but the future right now is still today because um, they are playing great. Grand Canyon University. So here's where our discussion really starts, Aaron. Uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you because, again, we have uh, 68 teams in the NCAA uh, Big Dance, and then we have 32 teams for those that had winning records or at least 500 or above. That means uh, 15 and 15, 16 and 16, those type of teams, usually from the power conferences, usually make the NIT. And now you have two other tournaments, the uh, CBI and uh, CIT, I believe it is, so this gives opportunities for other winning programs as well as teams with losing records. Now, we again talked about this on our last podcast. The university will pay $40,000 to uh, have Grand Canyon University coached by Dan Marley, who played professional basketball, uh, mostly with the Phoenix Suns, I believe, and I enjoyed watching Dan play. So I believe I'm going to head to the Coliseum. 
Uh, last week on our podcast, Aaron, I personally said and agreed with you that it's tough to give a team that had a losing record. But after watching the run in the in, in the Big 12 tournament that these kids made, and Coach Huggins now has players that's out there playing together in unity, I'm looking forward to them continuing to practice and make a run now in the CBI tournament. So I think I'm actually gaining some excitement and enthusiasm after watching that Big 12 tournament. You know, as much as you are adamant on that, I don't think I can still, in the way I believe, think that they should be in this tournament or this tournament should even exist. I think just like in college football, all these extra tournaments, bowl games, whatever you want to say they are, it is pandering to mediocrity. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good you came in late. A bad record is a bad record. A loss is a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter what team you had earlier in the season. I think that if you have a bad record, good teams are the teams that should be rewarded with postseason play. Bad teams should be not, and that's that, that is even dis. I, I'm I'm excluding that they were good at the end of the year, but I still don't think they should be allowed in with the bad start they had in the season because yet again it is rewarding and saying hey you had you had a slow season you had a bad beginning part of the season so let's now let's give you this to give you an even more chance to play when you got teams that missed out on the big dance but are not playing in this well and again most of those teams end up in the NIT uh this tournament was created in 2011 and I think that probably most coaches uh that really love what they do uh, want that extra time to work with the with their players, the young kids. And uh, Bob Huggins made the statement that if he would have had a senior-oriented team, it probably wouldn't have benefited him much. However, with such a young team, uh, with a lot of freshmen right now that are playing, I think it does this team good to continue to stay on the court and compete. And, and like I said, I, I was in agreement with you. I know it's tough to reward mediocrity as far as that goes. But – Bob Huggins is not the one that basically the NCAA sets this up and said, hey, we have other tournaments available. So anybody that coaches and has that desire to coach, you don't ever want to go out of the season with that bad taste in your mouth of ending up 14 and 20. So they have an opportunity to run off five straight wins now and get close to the 500 level. So what coach wouldn't want to add to his resume as far as his wins, his total victories? Uh, those are things that, again, I know that coaches look at more than what they probably say. Uh, so I know that Bob Huggins is one of the top coaches in the, in the nation when it comes to wins, and he's creeping up there. Uh, so this gives him an opportunity to win five more games as a coach, get these kids more practice time and playing time and compete and prepare them for the next season. Um, so, I'm, Aaron, again, I understand where you're coming from. And, again, I agreed last week with you. But after seeing these kids again, I'm just excited, to be honest with you, as a Mountaineer fan, that we no longer have what we called a cancer that was early in the season. And, and we had two players dismissed from this team. We had two of our leading scorers, Kanate and Beetle Bolden, uh, who was injured. Beetle Bolden has now transferred into that portal to, to transfer to another school, as well as Wesley Harris, who was dismissed. And Trey Dooms. Uh, and, and Trey Dooms now, we just found out, also has entered his name. Uh, Trey Dooms didn't get a lot of playing time. We did hear a, a quote from Bob Huggins early in the year that we had nobody that could straight line drive the basketball to the bucket, and he said that Trey Dooms could do that. But, however, when we saw him get some playing time, we didn't see a whole lot of production from Trey Dooms. So, again, good luck to each and every kid who is uh, elected to enter into the transfer portal. Uh, we don't ever want to wish uh, bad luck on anyone, so anyone who has left West Virginia University. But I do know that the continuity of the team, the chemistry was not there through most of the season. And over the, the final three weeks of the year, there is no doubt that these young kids decided 
we're going to uh, learn from Bob Huggins, who is definitely a coach who has put up the numbers. And Bob Huggins now sees, I got a team now that's willing to go out and compete on the court. Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to leave off with. And I, the one thing I want to key in on what you said about no coach would ever want to leave the season with a bad taste in their mouth. You're, you're, that, that, now that, that is a statement I do agree on. But at the same time, I believe when you leave the season with a bad taste, it makes you come back with that much more fire next year to not do that again. It kind of it kind of teaches you not to do that again. It's 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 kind of it's almost like a jail sentence. Nobody wants to go to jail, but when you do and you get that and you realize it's not fun, you don't do it again. Let me remind you, those players wasn't on the court during that time. A lot of them, they've got very little playing time. So these kids that are now starting and competing is not the same players that was part of that dismal season but it would give them the same amount of cur- it would be giving the same amount of determination next year if you're Absolutely. like hey we're gonna we're gonna write our own ship next year because for me this season's already tainted i that's what i think i don't think i think his season should be just put in a book should be put in a rearview mirror i don't care if they win the cbi tournament this season is a lost season uh, and again, that's why we have the opportunity to have opinions. And like I said, I kind of changed mine on this one. And I guess that's that uh, right that we all get and have. And it's fun to debate a little bit. And Aaron, you've always kind of wanted to have a little debate here at the Sports Roundtable. Uh, a lot of people that watch ESPN, they they know a lot about Tony Kornheiser and Stephen A. Smith. So I don't think that we're ever going to get to to that uh, type, not because of the fact that we can't be good at what we do, Aaron, but I don't think that we'll ever get as uh, wound up as what Stephen A. does and Tony Kornheiser. But it's fun to have a little debate with you here, and I'm looking forward again to seeing the CBI as I will be uh, heading down to the Coliseum and watching them play uh, coached again by Dan Marley, and, and hopefully the Mountaineers can pull it out and continue on in the CBI. Okay, okay. Well, last thing I'm going to say more towards, have you, have you done your bracket, Kelly? I did a mock bracket, so to speak. I haven't actually done one where, you know, so I just kind of did it on my own. And I did my champion that I have picked, Aaron. Uh, I have watched North Carolina play. I've watched them play Duke. I've watched them play Duke with Zion Williamson and without him. Um, And there's no doubt that I think that the best team that I've seen play throughout this season, uh, you know, it's a toss-up sometimes when it comes to Duke, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee made a run for a while. Gonzaga was number one for a good while at the end of the season. But I am picking the North Carolina Tar Heels to win the NCAA tournament. All right. Uh, this is one thing. I knew, I knew somebody from ESPN picked the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, so you're in some good company there. Now, I, myself, I chose Duke. I chose Duke coming out of the eastern side of the bracket with Tennessee coming out of the southern side of the bracket. And in the Midwest, I got Kansas. And then in the West, I got Michigan. And then the two that's going to play in your national title game, you will not believe it. I think Kansas is going to rebound itself. It will be Kansas against Duke in the national title game. And I choose Duke to win, obviously, with Zion Williamson. Now, I want to transition over to um, the WVU baseball team. They just knocked off Youngstown State this evening, did they not? They did, 14-1. to 1, uh, Right as we was just getting ready to start our podcast, I uh, was watching a live stream from down at uh, the Morgantown Ballpark, and uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers won a non-conference game today, getting ready to head into the Big 12 portion of their schedule against Baylor this coming weekend. Uh, 14-1 to 1, the Mountaineers won today, which puts their record at 13-7. and 7. And, you know, they've had some nice quality wins. Again, we spoke about that last week. I think that the fact that they knocked off Oregon State on that final game of the three-game series really gave them some momentum. 
Uh, and, again, the weather's going to begin to heat up, and uh, I'm looking forward as well, again, to Coach Randy Mazie and the Mountaineers and, and heading down to see as many ball games as I can with the baseball season. And I'm, I'm excited. i got a feeling that this team has an opportunity to be maybe in the top four of the Big 12 this year in baseball. And if they do that with the uh, RPI of the conference, I believe that maybe this will be a year again that we can sneak back into that NCAA tournament with uh, the Mountaineer baseball team. The NCAA tournament in college baseball seems so more, so much more elusive for so many more teams, it just seems to me. When the Mountaineers, it seems like, for me at least, and this is not uh, this is not my not knowing college baseball. I go to a lot of games, but I don't know too much about the postseason part of it. It seems so much as if you make the NCAA tournament, it's almost like winning your conference championship. It's a big deal to make it into the NCAA it, tournament. It's a very big deal for for these uh, teams to to make it in, and then you come down to pretty much in NCAA basketball, you have what they call the Elite Eight. Um, so in baseball, it comes down to. Uh, eight teams as well that goes to what they, in the College World Series that usually goes to Omaha, uh, Nebraska. And so to make that final eight, it is, I'm sure that for every kid that's ever put on a uniform in college baseball, it's a great feeling to, to get down to that uh, uh, elite eight and to have that opportunity to know that you have a chance to win a national championship. And again, I think that Randy Mazie is a quality of a coach. A lot of people probably think that because we live in a colder weather state that the West Virginia Mountaineers would not have that opportunity to compete. But I personally believe, I really do, and I wouldn't say that just because I'm a Mountaineer fan, I really believe that Randy Mazie can get this team eventually. Whether it will happen this year, I think that we have some nice young players. We have some nice arms uh, on the pitching staff. I think that our top three are very quality starters, and that's what you have to have when it comes to the Big 12. You have to have pitchers out there on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the Big 12 games that gives you an opportunity to win, and I do believe that we have that uh, this year in, in our top three pitchers. And, uh, and again, the hitting's coming along as uh Relevant again to today of 14 runs being put up, which is the most runs we put up this season right now. Uh, and I'm again looking forward to the Big 12 season that's coming up starting right here on WKMM again, airing Friday. What's our time? It comes on March 22nd. They play in Waco against the Baylor Bears this Friday. What is it, 7 p.m.? I think, it's, I think it's around 7 or 8 p.m. is when the game starts. Okay, and you will have Mountaineer Baseball aired from right here at 96.7 K-Country. Except WKMM. on Sundays. Uh, Sundays will not because of NASCAR. That's right. Um, I'm glad you reminded me of that, Aaron. Uh, we still have a contract and obligation with uh, NASCAR, So, but the Friday and Saturday game, depending on when the races are, there's some Saturday night races. So I'm assuming on the days that there's no races during the Mountaineer game time, game days for baseball, that there will be Mountaineer baseball on Sundays. Oh, I would assume so. Okay. But now let's transition over into our final portion. Reminding you folks, the, this, this podcast is being brought to you by Brouhaha Shortcuts, Three Guys Fitness and Motown Taxi is bringing you this sports roundtable edition. Now we're going to be transitioning into our final segment of this edition. We're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are wrapping up spring training. It is currently nine days until opening day when they play in Cincinnati. They short up two of their spots, their shortstop position and their third base position. Going into last season, Colin Moran came out of spring training with the starting position at third base. And now this year, with the resurgence of Jung Ho Gung, Gung has won the third base starting position. Now, I'm sure there will be a sort of a platoon spot, but when it comes to opening day, he has won 
the starting role. And at shortstop, you got Eric Gonzalez, the guy of which we traded and got from the Cleveland Indians. He'll be your starter at short. Clint or Adam Frazier is probably the is probably I would assume your only two uh, confirmed starters right now are Jung Ho Gung and Eric Gonzalez at short, and more than likely Frazier at second, Bell at first. Either Melky Cabrera or Lonnie Chisholm all starting off in right field with Polanco being down with an injury. At center field, you'll have Starling Marte, and at left field, you'll have your Gold Glover and Eric or in and Corey Dickerson, sorry. And then starting off at the catcher's position, obviously you'll have Francisco Cervelli. So I'm obviously very excited with that um, lineup the Pittsburgh Pirates are putting out. I would like to see them add more. But what do you think with Jung Ho Gung being announced as at the as the starter at short or when the he, third base? When he first came to over here to America to play for the Pirates, I mean, there's no doubt that the the kid swings a, a quick bat. Uh, he gets the bat through the strike zone quickly. He attacks the baseball. Uh, unfortunately, they had some issues and dealings uh, uh, in his home country, and it didn't look good. Uh, but, again, that's the America that we give people second chances and opportunities. Uh, I personally was always excited about the bat of Jung Ho Gung. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully the fact that he's put these issues behind him uh, and that he is going to go into this season with a fresh mind, a fresh start. Um, I personally, again, am excited. So to see uh, Gung play an entire season, uh, hopefully get in you know 130 games or or more and see what type of numbers that he can put up. Uh, how old is uh, Jung? I believe uh, he's in his 30s. I know when the Pittsburgh Pirates signed him, he was in his mid mid to late 20s. And when they signed him in his first contract, which just ended last year, they had to let him hit the free agent market. That was in his contract, which he did. And then they signed him. They didn't re-sign him. They signed him to a one-year deal with a lot of, incentives loaded into it well Colin Moran came in in a, in a trade that they got and I think that you know with Moran batting left-handed that there's going to be days that again there'll probably be some times that Colin Moran will get uh, a good number of at bats um, being a lefty so uh, I look I think that Colin Moran is a good young third baseman as well he's he's young he he can hit for power but I think that uh, Gung is the man for the job right now and looking forward to seeing Moran in the future but uh, uh, what about the starting pitching Aaron uh, give us the the, the five uh, starters that you think that right now that the Pirates are going to open up with? I know it's not official yet, but what five starters should the Pirates see uh, starting on opening day? Well, one of well, two of which are official. Jamison Tyon will be starting opening day, and Chris Archer will be starting opening day at PNC. Now, your second man is more than likely going to be Trevor Williams with the outstanding second half season, second half of last season he had in the running for the Cy Young for the largest amount of time. If he didn't have a slow first start of the season, he could have very well won the Cy Young. And then your third starter, obviously, Chris Archer. Fourth starter, more than likely, is going to be Big Joe Musgrove. And your fifth starter is going to be between probably either Francisco Liriano, Jordan Lyles, Rookie Davis, and it could be Stephen Brault. Now, I more than likely, I think, uh, I think Jordan Lyles is going to come out of spring training with the winning the fifth rotation spot. I think Stephen Brault will be more than likely option to Indianapolis. I think rookie Davis will win the long man out of the bullpen along with Francisco Liriano. So it sounds like we got a lot of competition for that fifth spot. And, uh, 
again, I, I think that our starting pitching, from what I just heard you say there, you know, other than not knowing that fifth spot, those first four starters are established starters. They have an opportunity to put up good numbers this year, and if they stay healthy, again, for me, in baseball, it's always about staying healthy. And, again, we have Polanco starting the year off uh, on the disabled list. And I think that, you know, if he comes back uh, healthy and strong, and did they say how long that Polanco will be out? It could be now May. When he got hurt last year, it was supposed to be midseason. Now you're looking possibly late April, early May, mid-May. Well, when we first saw uh, Polanco, when he first came up um, to the Pirates, uh, to the big team, there was no doubt that early on he put up a lot of big numbers and everybody was very excited. Um, so you get him out there with Corey Dickerson along with Starling Marte. I did have an opportunity, Aaron, to uh, walk in one day when my dad was watching a pregame, uh, preseason, I'm sorry, um, a baseball game, and Starling Marte absolutely crushed a ball. Uh, out of Bradenton that landed on top of a car. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see that, but starting Marte looks to me like he's pounding the ball pretty well right now in preseason. Well, and Jung Ho Gung is too. Jung Ho Gung had two home runs in one of their spring training games. Early on, yeah. Yep. And um, the one thing that is a little bit frightening to me is Lonnie Chesenhall did go down early in spring with a lower extremity tightness. I haven't heard no update on that. I'm sure he's back to playing, but they were very cautious with that due to the fact that that's the reason he only played in 28 games last year was because of that calf injury so they're playing it very they're 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 being cautious with this with this guy and so he right now you think that he's going to have the right field position i think i think honestly if this if this issue keeps creeping up on him i think i think melky cabrera will be your starter in right okay field. and again we remember the name melky cabrera back whenever he was having a great season was the uh mvp of an all-star game but then he actually ended up uh Getting in trouble himself and missing 50 games, I think, or because of the uh, the growth hormone uh, situation, HGH. HGH. Uh, so again, um, Melky Cabrera has some experience and uh, has been been a man that has put up production before. So uh, yeah, I think that they can solidify that right field position. I think that personally, Adam Frazier. I know we're getting down to the end of our time here. Adam Frazier can be a person that I truly believed when I first watched him, Aaron, that had an opportunity to actually win a batting title. And you know, I'd like to see him get consistent at bats this year and see what he can do with a full season under his belt. Well, folks, that's going to do us all here for this edition of the Sports Roundtable on this March 19th. I want to thank all of our sponsors for coming on board with us and helping us bring this content to you guys. If there's anything we can change or talk about that we haven't already discussed on the next edition, be sure to tweet me at AaronHost97 on Twitter or tweet the station 967K Country on Twitter at 967WKMM. Till next time, I want to say thank you again to all of our listeners.